0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Learning Reinvented podcast, brought to you by myself, James Polatilo, and the team at The Learning Effect. Today we're joined by Ket Patel. Ket, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: I would love to. Yeah, James, thanks a lot for inviting me on. So my name is Patel, I'm an independent change and transformation consultant with an organization called Marlow Consulting. I'm also uh, the change um, co-lead uh, for the Change Management Institute, which is a kind of global professional body for change practitioners everywhere. And um, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of me in a nutshell. I've kind of come from projects um, in tech and finance sort of a number of years ago. And I've progressed into sort of organisational design and projects around you know tech implementation in a wider context.
0: Oh yeah. So, Kat, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is there's a lot of synergies between change and learning. Often we see that you know learning is about trying to drive some sort of personal change, possibly organisational change. And we've had a few conversations over the past few months about what's really evolved in those functions so you know Covid has obviously changed the world apparently it's changed everything that we both do so you know what's your view on on the impact that Covid has had on change management?
1: Um, It's a it's a really difficult one one of the um, uh, the we've been we've been talking to members quite a bit over the past six months of being in Covid in fact we've been weekly sessions of members just asking what do you think has changed I think the the biggest um, observation appears that change has become easy Um, you know we went from organizations you know employing many many people to try and help navigate change more successfully for their users for their you know their their clients their customers their their employees and then every overnight was thrown into a situation no, no one really could predict and were forced to think of new ways to work. And seemingly people got on with it quite successfully. You know, there's a lot of talk of productivity remaining high, um, which I personally, I haven't seen enne- enough evidence to, to be. Yeah, it might have been high, but the, the thing for me that uh, keeps coming up is that this, you know, we, change is easy now because we've, we've done it. And and I, I really don't think people have um, recognized that when a, a really fundamental principle of change is that you know you need capacity to take on change because more often than not, most people are 100% occupied with doing all the things they're doing right now. So to change something, you need to create some capacity in yourself. Um, and you need to also sort of understand what those things you need to take forward are so what is it you want to commit that time to and in when when covid came about everybody had time and everybody was given space to think about the change they need to make at home um, and and make work happen and so it seemed easier than it was and that's not what normally happens in an organization you know a small pocket of an organization is asked to change whilst the rest of it continues to go hell for leather and so it's it you know the idea that just because we did this one big bang type change and everyone got on board because they sort of had to they didn't have a choice um that we've all of a sudden figured out how to make organizations change is somewhat you know there's definitely for me there's some dissonance between those two things so yeah that that keeps coming back in my mind that change has become easy all of a sudden I don't know if it's the same for learning right like I don't know if all of a sudden we've learned overnight how to just consume knowledge and and commit it to our brains
0: I think yeah I think there's absolutely synergies between the two because you know if you roll back to the end of last year so end of 2019 you know a lot of learning still classroom based a lot of it is still coming out to Take time out of the classroom. A lot of the learning profession is against online learning. You can't possibly achieve the same things. Mm -hmm. Now, suddenly, people have been forced into that space. So, you know, you can no longer or you could no longer go to a classroom to digest information. You could no longer fly people around the world for your induction. So, how are you going to do those things in a different way? And it's suddenly forced everyone online, and people have become an expert or a supposed expert within what they do so you know you've got face-to-face trainers who now have flipped all their materials onto zoom and are now experts in putting online learning programs together and that's that that that's done that's dusted we we now know how to do that and i think you know you talked about the the time and the space it's, it's interesting when lockdown happened for For those of us who didn't have to go in and and do real jobs, you know, some people have continued working in healthcare or the police or other functions throughout. But those of us who almost had that month, two months where everyone said they were being busy, but I think people were being busy trying to work out how they did their job, not particularly productive. And so that, that possibly gave us the space to learn how to, you know, do an online, conference call or a zoom meeting or put together online materials but I don't think it's fundamentally changed what we do and I think one of my concerns is that we roll out of this and sometimes in a crisis you put on a sticking plaster or, yep. or you find you find something that's going to work for a period of time now you know is this going to continue are we going to find a different balance whatever happens next I think people sometimes think we've done it it's the right thing I don't think that enough people are actually looking at what is it that needs to evolve what does need to change rather than just tick a box we've now fallen into a nice comfortable space of some online materials and zoom without really questioning whether that's good enough
1: I think that's a really interesting point as well right like this how easily we slip into this sort of tick box exercise of we've done it now right let's just so, so let's just roll it out more let's just do more of this stuff and we like one of the things i, I was quite interested by uh, an observation um, that was made when i was talking to some members uh, a few weeks ago where it was like we sometimes forget to recognize what isn't changing and what is really valuable and we should keep like you don't have to throw everything else that we used to do away um and And one of the things that I keep coming back to is I'm a hugely sociable person, and I have rarely I've hardly met the amount of people I would normally meet in six months and catch up with face to face. and it, and And I don't know if you'd agree, but like I personally learn best when I'm sort of throwing ideas around with someone. In a face-to-face way, I love I love stick notes. Like I love having to kind of touch and play with things and push stuff around. And I I get you can do it digitally. I'm not saying that that doesn't have value. Like it it can save huge amounts in travel costs and things like that for companies. But what I'm saying is there's there's still value in it. Like that human connection around curiosity and an idea to drive new ideas. Like for me, it's like it's you don't. I don't know. I don't get the same feeling from from taking this online, and maybe it's that I've not been in the right things. But I still feel like I'm holding forth. I'm holding forth with these ideas um, around doing stuff digitally and virtually, but I do I do want to create the space where we come together physically and we talk about stuff and we really do sort of connect not just about the idea we've come to talk about but also around you know other parts of our lives as well what we've been up to what we're doing you know seeing people that you know two dimensions is great i get to see people but it you know it you know i want to be around other people because you can you know feeling that energy is is important you know especially when you're getting new ideas or you're learning you're consolidating stuff or you're struggling with something um i think being able to Feel that from other people is quite an important thing, and even that it feels a bit wishy. I know that sounds wishy-washy, right? Like, and everyone sort of says about change management that it's a bit, you know, like it's a bit, it's a bit art more than science. It's a bit emotional. It's not. There's some really practical, physical stuff you have to do, right? but it is about motivating behavioral change, right? It's about engaging with people in a way that wants, makes them want to do something differently. And I don't think you get the same, you don't get the same output always, I think if you're just gonna solely focus on a virtual environment, but I have seen some great courses that do. So, yeah.
0: I think, I think it's an interesting point because if you look at, you know, people choosing one or the other you know this is almost forced people to experience online for good or for bad some people really like it some people it's a natural space some people are putting up with it you know at the beginning lots of us were doing it in an environment that wasn't entirely ideal but as this as sort of settles down you know it, it's getting that balance between using that face to face time maybe because it's more restricted or, or not there for quality time and maybe not you know ignoring that and now that can be inside or outside work you know is your face-to-face time set when you're on the phone ignoring your family you know you've probably had enough of your family now after months and months and months but you know again when we when we go you know when you get those days now with your colleagues you know it is about that you know those face-to-face moments about that social connection about that collaboration is maybe not going in and well sometimes it is just being able to sit there and you know shout across to your colleague what's this or can you just pop around and help and i think there's there's bits that people have really missed something that i that has made me think about it about something in in what we've been through is often where you're at the heart of an organization or at the heart of change or you're in a physical base you you think about those things because you have those physical touch points in the past or you know you still do you have that opportunity to talk to someone but as we're working in a in a more connected world, a more remote world, you may have had colleagues all over the world, all over the country, already work, working remotely. And you know, it, it's almost made me think a little bit about how good we are at engaging those people. Because sometimes, if you're driving learning or you're driving change, maybe it sounds great where you are because you're looking at it from your perspective. But it's, it's certainly given me another perspective as to collectively what we see across the piece and you know those people who are sat working remotely and we've been experiencing their lives for the last seven or eight months you know are the things we can learn about that or is there a happy medium or somewhere in the middle we can come back to
1: This, i mean maybe it's a question I i don't know if you make a distinction between sort of like consuming information right and learning like consuming information you can do anyway. Like we do it already, our phones, you know, the radio, TV, like we're constantly consuming information. So it just feels like what we've done is we've taken the information part of training and we've enabled it to be consumed a different way. But what we've lost is the learning piece, the knowledge piece, the transfer, the, re- the, the reinforcing of that knowledge to become learning and that's what i kind of see is the real tussle is like i've run so many events and i've been to numerous conferences and i'm sure you have the thing that always strikes me when i leave them is so what what am i going to do differently with this information and actually a bigger question how many people do something differently with that information if i was going to you know wet finger in here i would I would guess it was less than 10% actually physically end up doing something different from the information they got. So it just becomes more information. And and all we're doing is turning, we're losing the opportunity with learning if we continue to push more of it online, I feel, to consolidate that. Because what does consolidate it is discussion. What does consolidate it is being around other people and sharing what you took away from it. And maybe even coming back as a group and talking about that again and I think um, you know like what I've you sort of mentioned it in you know needing that time and space away from like whatever distractions you've got I think that's really important like physically bringing yourself out of your day, day, day to day whatever that day to day is and being plonked with another group of people who are there to learn is a really like we don't make enough time for it before covid you know like how difficult was it to get one or two days away from work you know people always make excuses but the excuses justified the the benefit right like you, you you really needed to be in that room with others to feel that kind of desire to learn this stuff and share that learning experience and i feel we've kind of we probably let go a little bit of the, the importance of that by taking things virtually. Um, and, and also, I, I, I don't know how easy it is, but I, you know look I could be looking at my phone, I could be tapping away on my other computer right now while we're talking here. So how invested am I in, the, in being part of this learning experience? I, I, I think that is a challenge. like sharing knowledge, passing a certification, like that's where a lot of stuff has gone virtual. Uh, don't get me wrong. You can you can definitely make that effective. Probably more effective for the company than it is for the individual. Right? Like it, you, all of a sudden you can scale. But if we really want to talk about what's beneficial to the person learning, then I think you have to be around people, and I think you have to want to reinforce that by having discussion. And sharing your curiosity and you won't do that virtually unless you create those sorts of spaces or you create that sort of learning experience and you said no one I don't know if anyone's talking about that like everyone's quite happy to just hold stuff on zoom and but where's the where's the life cycle of the learning
0: I think I think you pull out a really interesting point about a fundamentally where there's a problem in learning because it's it's almost like winning the lottery sometimes how learning strategies work because you know you talk about you know putting content online or you know beforehand having content in the conference so you know how many times have you been to a conference and you sit there and you sit through a session and just go it's not for me You know that this is not resonating this is not hitting anything for me but you know maybe it was a good sales pitch maybe the speaker sounded great or you know there was a slick bit of marketing that showed that that was sort of what you wanted and I I think there's that balance of you know sometimes you come out of a session whether it's online or face-to-face and you actually are buzzing because it's been the right time for you So, you know, it could be I go into a talk and it's just not the right time for me. It's the right talk. It's the wrong time. It's just, Mm. you know, like you said, people often don't take that day out to go to learning because, yeah, it's a really interesting topic to me. But it's just not the right time because I'm too busy at work or that was a learning priority two or three months ago. Or I probably don't need to get to that for six weeks. And and you know therefore I can put it off because I've got something else that is more pressing or more urgent so I think you know it is like the styles aligning that it needs to be the right thing at the right time and then there's that almost serendipity of being able to find other people who are equally invested or connected in that experience at the time to be able to therefore share have that collaboration test out that those ideas have a conversation to take that impart of knowledge or that thought provoking question or whatever it happens to be to take that forward. And I think unless you get all those things together, you know, in some sort of experience and relevance and purpose that it relates to you, it, we are really just, you know, throwing sand into the ocean and hoping that we'll build a dam. It doesn't you know, we're, we're not very good at structuring all those things. And I think if you can break it down, so you look at online learning and knowledge sharing and then how could you use technology or face-to-face or whatever to bring those people together? Because, you know, you could be having a brilliant collaboration with someone from the other side of the world if those things align. I think, you know, sometimes the the medium goes beyond that. You know, so we think it's it's invested in online or offline. But to me, it's those ingredients coming together that's the most important.
1: And just as you were saying about that sort of, you know, coming together at the right time for what you need, it made me immediately think of what happens for like, I don't know if you're a DIYer, right? Like, but I I occasionally get into dabbling a bit of DIY. You go on YouTube, right? You can find any video pretty much on anything you might want to do around your home, right? Like it's that on demand. I've got a need. I don't want to spend all this money or time and I've got some time to kind of consume maybe that information I'm willing to take the risk there's this kind of balance of how much am I willing to pay how much risk am I willing to take and how easy is it to consume the information right which YouTube does really well for the DIY but we, we don't I don't I don't know what your experience like you don't you don't see that sort of on-demand quality platform in an organization for learning I I, I haven't seen it and maybe it does exist Um, But what also strikes me is that we've been, you know, if I think of my own development journey, all the courses that I've ever subscribed to when I was in an organization were sort of not really anything to do with my ongoing development. It was just like, oh, that might be nice to do. Or why don't you pick that up? There, There wasn't that need. And so... The stuff i choose to do now is much more needs driven like if i'm interested in a particular topic that's where i'm going to go and find out what where the best course is and what which one i should do and so i think there's this sort of expectation from individuals employees right like that um an organization knows what's best for you like that you're not part of the like picking the right thing what the interesting area of your learning should be and where you might get it Instead, you're given this sort of vanilla menu of stuff, right? And you're asked to choose which of these things most interest you, and someone just picks one because they're like, well, they've got to do some training this year, or they don't meet some sort of arbitrary, you know, development um, uh, milestone. So I feel this whole context of learning in organisations generally, people, people development, is a sort of... A bit sleepwalking, right everyone's sort of sleepwalking along their career, apart from those who are really motivated who go after kind of everything that they need to be successful. most people are sort of quite happy to to turn that treadmill. I don't know maybe that sounds really harsh, <laughs> but I, I, you know I just I, I just you know as you were saying kind of what what that future development plan could look like. it could be much more needs based um you know much more on demand. Uh, much more community led. These are all things. If I think about what works well in successful change, these are all things that are key pillars of driving an organizational change through. It's happening at a specific point in time. Everyone's aligned. Um, there is support available and on demand for the, 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 for the questions and the challenges you're facing. And you know, you've got a real community that is trying to help drive the change through, right? To make it sustain. They're all like key pillars. So it's sort of like, step away from the individual change and make it about the change of the organization and all of a sudden you'd look at your learning system right
0: absolutely and i think if people are working through what they're doing in learning you know having that vanilla menu and having something pushed down onto you because oh it's pdp time or you know it's it's compliance learning you know deadline that we all need to sit through and do some click click clicky learning it it creates a a culture where people possibly don't act as they do in the real world because it creates this passive consumption that yeah. i really can't get anything i'm just i'm just fed this and when i'm fed it it's not particularly great so you know I'll, I'll just go through the motions but like you said outside work suddenly you know you've got a diy problem you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and you need to change the tire on your car you've got an immediate need the same in change if you're trying to passively push out a change to people who seal see no problem in the first place no real benefit of the solution that you're pushing to them and other things that are more important you you already know you're on a loser yeah but, you know so many of our learning strategies appear to be in that place rather than turning around and going it's probably not someone in the learning team who knows the answer i mean it certainly isn't in most learning teams you know Sometimes you've had learning people who've been the expert in their field, so they go in to become the sales trainer because they're great at sales. But more often than not, the best person you need to learn from is your sales colleague who's, you know, somewhere else in the organisation who's recently faced that similar challenge or is actually facing that same challenge at the at the same moment as you are. Neither of you know the answer, but you're going to put your heads together and you're going to try and come up with something in your test and you are gonna learn and you're going to, you know, improve as you go. And, you know, I think that those things naturally happen in an organisational change project, I think, where they're successful. Uh, <laughs> bit, they don't always
1: happen. They don't naturally happen, right? Like uh, it, it, it requires quite a bit of effort. But no, you're, you, you're spot on. You're spot on. I am. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, you, you were sort of in the in the throw of quite a poignant moment.
0: I oh, was. So I was just literally going to say. So you are. You know. You in a change project. You would think that there is some element of the project bringing people together who are invested in it. Therefore, there's some purpose. They're mm. treading uncharted ground, which most learning is. It's uncharted ground. You know your the context of learning is oh so important so some online materials that come out and and push there need to be contextualized
1: yeah now
0: in in the past we've taken quite a parental approach to that of thinking we can contextualize by you know either designing so much into materials that try and guess every answer well that's not with the reality of the world we live in the context is so different or else we produce something and we don't help people to understand that it's their job locally to contextualize that so we can make stuff available to them but you know it's not like we're going to have a google or a youtube covering every instance of every job in every organization so we need we need to create a platform where people can within the community share their knowledge or share their questions or you know have that ability to ask but i think we're, we're again such a parental passive approach in so many organizations where someone pushes something down that's what you need to do and and it's just not very honest
1: i mean for for change i think you you know you uh, the the projects i've been involved in one there's either no awareness of this sort of transition of you know of knowledge about what the user will get right like there's sort of almost like it's so obvious that this is a benefit because look the old system is so bad or whatever it happens to be the old way of working is so bad mm-hmm. that almost knowledge transfer is sort of almost assumed so you know like the, the it's why change when you when most people talk about change they always default to training in comms because they're kind of like well we need to tell people what's coming and we need to support them with what they'll get which actually do you know if most projects did those two things and they did them really well and they gave them adequate time and they did them with sufficient lead time and really listened to what their users and you know those impacted were saying projects would significantly increase in success of adoption like that just those two things so you know a lot of people would say oh change is more than those things you know there's a lot more to it and there is but I'd, i'd I'd be really happy if most organisations would just get those two things like really clear in their mind when they think about a project but the reality is they don't and change professionals get brought in quite late to a project to think about oh actually we need to realise benefits and in order to realise benefits we need people to use the thing and in order to for people to use the thing they need to really understand how to use it so oh let's get them told and let's get them supported so you know like I, As a profession i still feel like we're behind quite far behind project management in terms of kind of maturity uh, of what we do but you know if people still recognize those two things are important and we get those things right we can make a huge impact right straight off the off the off the bat with with being able to reinforce them and and that's where i think you know as you were talking about like we really leverage subject matter experts Right like I can talk about a change, right, but the reality is i mean, I was talking to a group of um, um users for a system I'm rolling out at the moment, and they you know they're really busy, particularly the context of what's going on at the moment, their line of work is is hugely impacted by covid and they're really busy with process and policy and all these other things that they've got to change and are constantly changing. And yet, this technology system is coming their way. And their their focus when they came, when they talk to us was, tell me what I need to do and when I need to do it. Like be really specific and really pointed because I'm, you know, I've only got so much time. And so, like one of the things, you sort of flipping learning on its head for change, transformation programs is like. You have to work so hard for your comms and your training to be targeted and specific and to meet the needs of the users and understand the work that they're currently continuing to occupy all their time because you're just one of many, right? And you have to create that desire. You have to create that pull from them to take information. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create that relationship. We're not being a burden, but we also know that we are the answer to helping them get to adopt a new system or a new way of working and 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 it's not it's not easy because people are busy right it it really fundamentally comes down to it takes effort to change the way you do something um it takes motivation and those two things when you don't ask for them are very rarely natural right you have to create that desire So, so you know that's you know for us it's it's not an easy slog um And you've really got to commit a huge amount of effort and time, which is massively underestimated, um, I think, in most projects.
0: Have you seen it work really well anywhere? So a a project where they got the learning and comms bit right?
1: Well, we've been, I would say, like, if I took the one I'm working on at the moment, and a number of people would say sort of examples similarly. We've had, um, we've had Technology let the rollout of something down, so we said we would get it out on a date and it ended up slipping, and then when it did get out, it kind of ended up having to be pulled and we 're fine with the context of you know things slip all the time you know things don't always go to the plan we expect them to but actually managing people like, ma- managing people's expectations of what 's coming and what it means for them is an important part of like the change you know leads role so i would say one of the most successful things um we've done or i've been part of is that you know like understanding that the the context in which the change has happened or or needs to happen going forward and constantly asking constantly sounds like it's laborious but always being aware that you need to ask how well is this suiting you to all of your stakeholders Where, where are we not you know meeting your needs um and and I think that the the one I'm working on at the moment is. We're part of quite a big portfolio of projects. And yet uh, the sign of success for me is that no matter the challenges the project faces, the end users go, you know what? Like we really liked what you did. We liked the way you approached it <laughs> and we um I can talk about this a little bit but in this specific example we actually def- we worked with the impacted users to say like what level of readiness how how long do you need what sort of lead time do you need to kind of be ready for this if we're going to roll out a system in a couple of months time how much lead time do you specifically want to to, to organize your people and we sort of batted a few different ideas around they said well look a slow burn sort of you know eight to twelve weeks would be perfect for us you know you tee us up twelve weeks out You know, you give us a bit more information, we'll appoint a, uh, you know, a a point person for our particular team. And so we developed this in in collaboration with the impacted teams, we developed this 12 week readiness process, And that 12 week readiness process was clear to everybody. This is when we're gonna come in. This is what we're gonna do on these different times. And this is the sorts of information you'll get from us. And everybody was like really clear about what their role was and what our role was in this transition of project from project team over to them as end users. And even though we were delayed, and even though we ended up pulling it afterwards, everybody loves that approach, that there is a defined timeline in which we will engage them. We will keep them informed. If they're not in that 12 weeks to go go live, do you know what, you won't hear anything. You might get some wider knowledge. Everybody loves that. Transparent approach to what is going to be shared with them. Um, and actually, it's got to the point now where we're duplicating that approach, different periods of readiness, we're asking teams, but we're duplicating that approach with a number of other programs, projects in the program I'm working on. And that to me is a huge sign of success. It's something that nobody knew, knew they needed. Was proven to have some value, and has proven so much so that we're now expanding it to other places because it's proven. So again, in itself, it's a it's a learning experience, right? Does this work? Does it not work? Oh, it works! Brilliant. Now, what more should we do about it? And I think that's the second part of like being, you know, a good agent of change, is that continual need to learn and try. You know, you hear it all the time: try and fail fast, blah blah blah, whatever. The point is like you are trying to see what is working for the people you're trying to impact and what isn't and where you can adjust and what you can do to make it easier for them because if you make it easier for them you create the pull to be a little bit easier for them and therefore you know that whole transition of information from our perspective at least works much more easily but yeah i don't don't know if that really answered the question of like a successful one but for me success looks like where you've done it in one place and you've been able to show its value and then expand out to other places
0: so stepping back you've you know you've got examples in your career where things work went don't you're constantly learning and evolving you know change is quite a model based uh, business you know you see all the different models that organizations or individuals will follow we've now had the last you know eight months where change is easy it happens at the click of a finger just so like that. yeah just like that so You know if if you're reflecting on all those things what what are your lessons what have you learned about what you're going to take forward to you know your next change project or that you could advise people who are thinking about you know changing how they approach what they're doing changing their learning culture changing the way their business approaches learning or any other you know change they're wanting to make happen
1: yeah i think i've always had a bit of a love hate relationship with with models um, right I think the only people that genuinely enjoy talking and debating about all the various models that exist in change are change professionals you, you know if I went and talked to Joe blogs on the street hey there's a model of change you know it can help tell you about how to navigate most people wouldn't really care if you took that to an organization most people wouldn't really care so I think there's a tendency for us to get caught up in the theory and the models and then and then try and use them to sell the value of change. Whereas what this period has reinforced for me is that there are always problems that an organization faces but, and and are numerous. You know, wherever you go, you can go and speak to anybody in any organization. There'll be operational logistics, lots of different, you know, cultural issues. And all of these models, frameworks, tools, techniques knowing them is a means to being able to help a client solve a problem they don't need to know the detail what they need to know is that the problem can be solved so where models frameworks tools come in is it gives you a a a range of things to try and help fix a problem where you go into an organization and you take one tool and you keep doggedly reapplying it independent of what that you know that client is going through what the outcome they desire is just because it looks and feels the same is where you kind of get frustration i think that you kind of you know really cause to some extent change management sometimes have a bad name or you know change practices to have a bad name or a model to have a bad name so i think you know if you're if you're a practitioner and You've got a tool bag full of these different sort of models. The hardest thing is figuring out which bits of what model are going to be needed. And in order to do that, you have to have a conversation with a client and understand what some of their challenges are. And some of that might be about selling and, and, and or at least positioning how some of these models can help. But the one size fits all, I, I've never bought into because it's just it never, you know, no, no area of your life does one size fits all unless it's a hat. Um, <laughs> just for me that's where like it falls down and i think what i most love about kind of models is that they with a lot of learning for me it's about having a conversation having sharing different views about what you think is happening and in order to do that you need some some, sometimes a common frame of reference and so models and frameworks are really useful for that common frame of reference you can talk around um so, again, everyone probably now knows Kubler-Ross, right, because it's been shared a, a gazillion times over the past you know, six months about, you know, the emotional journey we might go through when we experience change. I don't think even, even Kubler-Ross today says that it was never intended for organisational change and actually no one goes through all of those motions, emotions in sequence and you might not experience any of them or you might experience something that aren't even on here. It's not the point as to whether it's fact, it's the point you can have a conversation with someone to say, look, you know, we all experience emotions when we're going through change and one way of thinking about it is this sort of, you know, curve of, you know, sort of, you know, your energy levels or your emotional state and, you know, does it help to talk about where you are on this and if it does, maybe we can have a conversation around that and how others are feeling about it and what they've done to deal with that. Because that's how you get real change, right? Like when you can can connect to the thing you're struggling with and you can talk to others about um, how you might navigate it and what practical steps you can take. You know, the the change curve is not gonna solve everybody's problems, but it will allow you to have conversations with other people that might share some of your thinking. And I think, you know, this is what tools and methodologies sort of are helpful for. They're not to describe fact, right? Like no organization works like, you know, Kurt Lewin's model, or all the other models that might be out there. So I think it's just for me. It's always been about a tool bag, um, and no uh, you know the real art, may uh, uh, maybe the same in in sort of learning circles is the real art is knowing which one to use when. What is learn is virtual learning right for this thing? Is physical learning right for that thing? Um, do we want to you know do a workshop uh, where we bring everyone together and then split them out into groups? Like all these different dynamics, like they're all the art of committing learning to memory and turning it into something bigger than just knowledge right uh, or information should i say and turning it into knowledge yeah so that that i think i have a love-hate relationship with models um usually hate them when i'm talking to other people inside the profession love them when i'm not talking to other people outside the profession
0: <laughs> I, I think it's the same you know if you look at learning we will get people who you know, turn up with their one way of delivery. Maybe the last few months has has changed that. So they're looking from a silo perspective of, you know, you've got a problem, I've got an e-learning course for that, or I've got a face-to-face, or I've got a leadership development pro- problem because because that that's what their comfort zone is, that's what their business is, that's. That's what their role in the organisation is sometimes, you know, their role is to be delivering leadership development programmes. Doesn't matter if the presenting issue is not solved by that, sometimes you get that as as a mm-hmm. solution. And I think you've then got people who are coming from different perspectives and thinking about the the learning science of how everything's put together. And, you know, that can be all very well, but, you know, it can be the best design programme. But if it's not right for the things we talked about earlier, it's not the right time. Someone's not not actually got any use for it you know there's got to be a balance where people bring that pragmatism and you know to me the real things of of having the art and the science conversation is is around context because if you can't have the science of your models but you be able to have some art of contextualizing those because there is not a you know a one-size-fits-all just because it worked in a similar organization somewhere else or that's what you did on the last project I think it's that constantly evolving approach because you know, learning change organisations are a complex tapestry. And I, I think if you're having those in your toolkit and then having the skill to apply them is where I see really strong learning professionals come to their fore.
1: Yeah. And th- there isn't this sort of arbitrary construct, right? That the, the organisation, like, like if you go into your own world and you think about things you want to change, you think about what capacity do I have? Where can I learn the information? And, you know, am I willing to commit the time? You know, and, and, you know, there is this sort of kind of wider world around you, which, it, you know, is your life, your family, your friends, and, and all of those sorts of things. But when we go into an organization, it becomes really sort of, I don't know, samey, restrictive. It, it, it's, it's all a bit formulaic. And it's that, like, and, and maybe it's because that most organizations are inherently you know maybe if I I talk a little bit in change management you know when we talk about change about kind of the purpose of a change the mission the values and all those sorts of things that kind of connect people to why we do why we're doing this specific thing I think that element is skipped over really quickly um, in organizations when it comes to learning Um, and and that for me is where we're sort of missing a trick a little bit because it's skipped over because time and money are the things that drive most organisations. Um, and if time and money is what's driving it, that means there's a deadline and there's a cost. And therefore, you know, learning can't happen in this natural kind of like osmosis, reinforcing way. It has to happen as a point in time and then you set that person off in a direction and there they go. Whereas the reality is in your life, that's not how it works, right? You make a change, but you have to do lots of little things. Someone used the example recently of moving home, right? There's the formulate process of moving home. Uh, I can't remember if it maybe it was a conversation we were having, but there was a formulate. you know, you move home, but then there's the subtle changes you need to make in your routines, uh, whether that's getting to, you know, the train station when we were allowed to travel, um, you know, uh, understanding where things are, how things going to, how long it's going to take you to get to certain destinations. All those little changes happen after the big change, right? Of physic, of the physical moving home, of the physical learning. You've got to reinforce that time and again, and you commit to doing that by having made that big commitment. But we don't do that in organisations. We don't reinforce those things that we learn in the big bang, two a two hour, two day, two week. Long residential course, right We sort of go, "Great, you've got it. see you later <laughs> and And what's it, what exacerbates it as well is I have seen people being given courses and no opportunity to exercise that learning. So you know again, you know I, I, I'm guilty of it. I did a course in um, June, and the content was really good. I just haven't really had time to think about how I might apply it to some of the stuff I'm working on. In fact, I did another course recently where I did exactly the same. They're both on my to-do list. Don't get me wrong, um, and it does it does pop into my mind again. How how might I bring those things into it? But the reality is, most people go and do a course, and then they come back into their day job. And you know, the further away their application of that learning gets, the you know, it's it's almost like you've lost the value in it. But you did tick a box, but we're back to box ticking, aren't we?
0: I think you know human nature is learning is always on your to-do list it's just quite often at the bottom and mm. it takes that emergency that pressing situation that real you know uh moment where you think actually i'm i'm going to change i, w- I want to get that promotion i'm going to move there or yeah. there's an opportunity there i want and suddenly that becoming it becomes more urgent you know there there is a very small percentage of the population who learn for the love of learning you know i mean we might all like consuming knowledge and knowing things but you know to go and suddenly decide i'm going to learn to do something requires commitment dedication passion you know whatever your hobbies happen to be you know some of us have all got half started hobbies or we get to a level you know the (laughs) tree reaching that true mastery that people talk about people reach the level that that's right for them you know a level of enjoyment know and even going back to your you know your house moving analogy I think when we go through change sometimes we do the big structural change we take them through and then we land people in that bit where actually no one's thought about where you're going to put everything in the kitchen or the understairs cupboard doesn't quite work or the nursery's 20 minutes in the wrong direction to the train station so how are you going to make those logistics work and those are the things that afterwards you start to go now I understand that now I'm in the real element and that's sometimes where you know you've got multiple people facing the same problems and not sharing their answers or trying to help each other or you just leave people in the dark and you walk away and go we've declared victory and someone's there still trying to work out how they do those things and you can go back you know some people be very good at solving those challenges themselves and yep. other people are still going. Actually, I'm walking five times around the kitchen to make a cup of coffee because I've not got that <laughs> mindset of being able to go. Well, that's how they train me on the system, but maybe yep. I should do this, or it should be a tweak, or there's an another process, or the existing process we use with this system in now needs a tweak in my job role that no one else thought about. And it's it's all of those little things that can cause fatigue, or even just you know. Res- Next time something comes along because it may have been perfect, but that person on the end goal isn't given permission or doesn't have that drive to actually go, I'm going to fix that myself
1: and I don't know if you, I mean, the idea of, you know, lots of people talk about the the kind of learning culture in an organization. Um, Continuous improvement comes up a lot. The reality is it's very I've never seen any organization unless they are genuinely like quite small you know like 20 people 50 people maybe where that could possibly be the dna of the organisation and so obviously as that grows it becomes sort of really you know sporadic it's it's kind of a leader type stuff you know you kind of instill in your people in small pockets in an organisation that that's the way you can be effective and that you know even again going back to that example of the of the house like you know like where's the support, where's the time, where's the, um, the, the, the space for people to kind of think, okay, well now I'm here, what else is changing, what support, what did we not think would happen and now I have to deal with and where's the capacity for that? So, yeah, so this notion of sort of like having, uh, you know, a mindset of continual learning, it's just not embedded in people when they go through their, their careers. And, you know, by saying it doesn't mean people naturally, they, they might naturally get it. They might be, oh yeah, of course, why wouldn't you be like that? Um, but the reality, like with any change is, it's actually quite time consuming to implement it, and it requires quite a lot of dedication. It, quite, it re- requires quite a lot of energy. So, you know, it's really important to support people going through that process. Um, and good leaders do this naturally and organizations with good leaders benefit from that but the reality is leaders that have gone through sort of that old style of like consume knowledge, consume information, you know, that's relevant to kind of getting the next step up that doesn't create sort of people who have a learning mindset, right? Like it creates people that have a sort of goal objective mindset, which is very focused on moving up in an organization. So it's very, it's got very narrow focus. So yeah, I think we we talked quite a bit a while ago we did a study and there was sort of quite a lot of talk about the need for change practitioners to be resilient and reflective in their sort of key behavioral traits resilience because you know you will deal with challenging situations and you'll need to come out the other side um, having navigated it Uh, reflective because no doubt there will be stuff you'll have learned through that process which will stand you in better stead for the next time you. Are faced with that and those two things you know call out for great kind of not just change practitioners but tr- great change agents great change leaders right like those two things really stick out and they make they kind of make sense but they are sort of backed up with a little kind of straw poll of um of people we surveyed which had this sort of quality of um <clears throat> assessment of being good practitioners by the work they've done through their clients so client feedback yeah, really interesting kind of dynamic. But that learning culture always gets me. It highlights to me at the moment is I don't know how we're catering for that on the job experience. Like it's okay for me as someone who's an experienced kind of person working in offices and joining new teams, sort of you know r- regularly, um, to figure out how to make that work virtually. And because I know what I'm doing, I can go in and I can kind of do that. But if you're graduating from university and you're having your first job, right? And that that kind of like learning by doing and just asking that question, like that for me is, I I don't know what the replacement to that is. And I don't, maybe you know, again, maybe a more digitally native um, mindset is open to that, maybe that way of learning is fine, but for me, putting myself back in that position, I'd be like, wow, I would really struggle with this way of working if I was trying to learn what I'm doing. Um, and so, yeah, that, that for me is sort of like, there is, there, there does need to be an evolution of some description, right, about how digital learning works for all ages. Um, and again, going back, to so it's not one size fits all, but who's doing the hard work to figure the balance out?
0: And I think that's, you know, coming back to one of the points we talked about earlier, I think that's why it's not an easy flip to Zoom and some online content is because there are all of those contextual issues of, of what's changed in the working environment, you know, what's changed in our leadership. You know, it, you might have been a great leader in the office, but you're struggling now. What do you do? How do you find that balance? And, yeah. you know, people will put online courses on and, you know, you cover lots of things and there's been a wealth of well-being courses and various other things but how are people evolving how are we supporting them how is that feeling right and comfortable for people how, yeah. how are we monitoring and evaluating that when you do your next big change project and we may still still be in a similar situation to we are now how do you do some of those engagement things that you might have done in a different way I think yeah. those are all things for us to learn as we as we go through and you know take the best of what we've done before and, and come back to the intent of what we're trying to achieve and, and maybe question ourselves because mm. maybe we didn't need some of those things so great in the past anyway you know maybe our leadership when we were face to face wasn't brilliant but you know now we're further away that it could be even worse or it, it could be better who knows you know it, it and it is it's really sort of unpicking what we're trying to achieve with each of those things and, and just trying to test ourselves and help people through those processes.
1: And and I think maybe, you know, like it's easy to see from, from my perspective, it's easy to see how these things can go wrong because I've seen organisations sort of call in change practitioners, learning practitioners um, to help resolve something that was not previously thought about and is now critical to the success of a project. And so it's easy to see where like we could miss the opportunity to learn from this, but I do think we will. I think enough people are having the conversation. It's all about the scale, isn't it? Like there will definitely be some wins to this and people will change the way they think, um, the way they want to work, what they, you know, where they work, how they do their work. All of those things will be challenged. It's like to what extent? will we make that happen like at how big a scale because you know it could be huge it's just we're fighting against probably want the 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 natural thing which is people want to just get on right they want some sense of after such an upheaval right they want some sense of normality they want to be able to go back to it and you know there'll be organizations looking at like you know lots of loss of income needing to kind of recoup that so how can technology so there'll be lots of kind of dynamics at play which all come about profitability and kind of also getting the best out of your people. And that's not an easy discussion to kind of manage and then you've try and scale that. So, so I think all the we're, we're at the right time to be asking all these questions. It's like, how committed are people to really doing something different? That, that for me is kind of like, you know what? You, discussions like this, it makes me think of what do I do more in my in my role? I know you're on social media. So what do I do more myself in terms of the kind of posts I put out all of these sorts of things are to try and spark other people to lead that sort of a change? Like, how do we back? How do we? How do we take the very best of what we've learned right and combine it with what was already good and come up with the workplace? Um, you know, whatever version we're on right 5.0, whatever it happens to be but like you know like how do we make work work for people and still benefit organizations that that is ultimately what change learning is is focused on
0: so Kat, okay, you know thank you very much for joining us today if people oh, do want to connect with you to find out more about the change management institute or or anything else what's the best way of them doing that
1: Yes, yeah, so you can get hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there, so come and find me, Ket Patel um, is my um, the way my name appears on, on LinkedIn. Um, yes, yeah, so come and connect with me. You can also um, reach out to us at um, um, ketan.patel at changemanagementinstitute.com for any of the Institute related stuff and you can also visit the website um, changemanagementinstitute.com. Change management Um, And then lastly, yeah, if uh, if you're you're in need of any uh, change advice, again, I've one of those two um, approaches, but you can also check me out at um, Marlow Consulting. Um, If you just punch that into Google, you'll be able to find it pretty easily.
0: And we'll put all of your connection details below the podcast as well. Brilliant. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, Cheers, James. It's been an absolute pleasure as always.